Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, Stephen, I am recording from the beautiful autumnal wonderland of upstate New York currently. Yeah. It's wonderful. I'm surrounded by animals, plants, friends, uh, It's and, and, a, and a nice chill wind. It's, it's a great place it's to be. It's your season. Fall is most powerful Brendan, you know? It is. It is. What was um? What was? Oh, it, I I posted a tweet that I had downloaded RuneScape Classic, uh, and you told me that I was too powerful. <laughs> yeah, you take you take risks, but you're oddly at home. It's like it's the best <laughs> of both worlds. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm jealous. I well, it's actually a pretty nice fall so far in Chicago too. It like just suddenly got very cold, which is not a surprise. Yeah, but I want the leaves to change, baby. I want the aesthetic. Oh yeah, it is. It is full aesthetic up here right now. Yeah, I think uh, it just permanently fall in upstate New York. Like it's never not that. Yeah, it's, it's either that it's or snowing feet of snow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway, card of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, if you like microwaved our show and reduced it to the like <laughs> finest atoms, it would be us talking about the weather and then. Like maybe bringing up something else. Yeah, I think it would actually. It's. I think there's more hours spent talking about the weather on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's me screaming and us talking about the weather. Yeah, pretty much. That's the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, card of darkness. <laughs> uh, yeah. So wow, really no segue at all. But um, there's a wonderful game on Apple Arcade called Card of Darkness that I brought up during our Apple Arcade. Episode. Fleetingly for a second, you yeah. blink, you miss it. Yeah, I I didn't even really describe it correctly. I called Called it a, a deck building roguelike, which is it is like certainly not. Fuck that! It's nothing like it. Sorry, I don't know what this is. This is no, nothing. it's a good vibe. <laughs> this is false, Stephen. I turn into a shock jock. <laughs> wow! Out the window. <laughs> Fuck that! Eat shit. I do like the idea of a shock jock radio station that doesn't have to play by the FCC rules, but is still just that dumb uh, yeah it's just it's very pg-13 there's no one else on the show and nothing discussed it's just one person going like <laughs> eat my crap pressing <laughs> all the <laughs> buttons yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 fuck <laughs> all right i gotta stop what is this why am i most equipped for this <laughs> everything <laughs> in your life has led to this yeah um i'm a sort of a i'm, I'm sort of an avant-garde jock jock <laughs> They have my episodes at the MoMA. Um, if you play it backwards, it's actually Oedipus Rex. <laughs> but forwards, it's blah, fuck that. <laughs> All right. This is so, you gave me nothing to end up here. This is nothing. <laughs> Card of Darkness. You described it wrong. Yeah, it's not a deck building roguelike. Card of Darkness. Um, yeah, so it's a game that uh, I brought up during the Apple Arcade episode saying. For like, a uh, second, if you start to stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. A morning fun, a latte, a little vibe. <laughs> a little vodka. I, I was telling Brendan earlier, uh, adding to uh, Mother Hilger lore, my mom has the beautiful habit of whenever she has a drink, she like she goes, oh, this is delicious. A little vodka. I'm like, <laughs> I have just started saying that nonstop. Now Brendan says it, and now it's a thing. Mm-hmm. A little vodka. Um, card of darkness. 
Party <laughs> darkness. You described it wrong. If you if you fuck fuck that. <laughs> this is nothing. All right, we're back. We're in. We're literally stuck in a maze. Actually, it's funny we're doing this because my experience with Car darkness is being stuck at the first level for over and over and over hours. again. So maybe that's unconsciously the connection here. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, tell me more. Tell me more. I'll stop. I'll really. I'll stop this time. <laughs> I don't believe you. Um, it's a game by Zach Gage. Fuck that. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a klutz. <laughs> it's a game by Zach Gage, uh, a pretty prolific um, <laughs> iOS developer. He made games like Spell Tower. Uh, he worked on Ridiculous Fishing, Really Bad Chess, um, Sage Solitaire. Just, just like releases iOS games at a really ridiculous clip and they're all like fascinating takes on things that you have played before. Um, really bad chess, for example, if you haven't played it. I just want to recommend it. Uh, it's a game where you are playing chess against an AI opponent and both of your pieces are completely randomized. Um, That's so funny. So you just have to like wing it and see how it goes. It's <laughs> really like, cool. like all pawns or something. Yeah, it, it could be yeah. that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's an interesting game. Uh, and there are like pre-made uh, levels that you can do. And it's like, okay, try and beat it with this setup. Try and beat it with this setup. It's it's a cool game. But anyway, Card Darkness is by Zach Gage, Pendleton Ward of Adventure Time fame, uh, who made a lot of the art. And Choice Provisions, who made the BitTrip series, uh, Runner and, you know, every other game that they made. So those three, it's kind of like a weird, like Avengers team up of, of uh, people making this game, um, which at its core really kind of just is maybe not a roguelike, but a little bit roguelike adjacent card battling game maybe is the way to put it. Yeah, it's, it's a little tricky to pitch and to understand, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, so I've played a little bit of it basically, and I'm I'm gonna explain the rules to see if I understand the game yet because you have figured it out. Yes, uh, I'm still figuring it out. So there's a brief tutorial. First and foremost, the the obviously the aesthetic of this game is beautiful. It is very Adventure Time, but it definitely has a charm of its own. Mm -hmm. Everything is very colorful and kind of fluid, and there's this uh, smiley faced staircase mm -hmm. that is like here's how to play. So there's like a three by three, right? I think it's three by three. It might be a, it might be four by three, um, but it, it changes level by level also. Oh, okay. So there's just a layout of cards, and some of them are stacked on top of each other, but you flip over them at a time, and they're either health potions, money, rocks, or other types of enemies, or swords. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you just click on an enemy, uh, or if you just tap on an enemy normally, depending on the number of health they have, that's the damage it does to you. Right. Um, but you get rid of them, the card disappears, then if there are any adjacent cards that are turned over they will turn over and show what what you have on them and you can select any cards that are face up um right. you're taught early on that you can find weapons that are either even or odd well obviously they're numbers so they're going to be even or odd yes and the even weapons can you can use them as many times as you want uh, but if you use them against an odd numbered enemy they break and vice versa right so so for uh, example but, just just to yes. kind of uh a little bit of clarity on that if you pick up a sword uh and and the sword is labeled five that means that that sword will always do five damage um and if you use that on a rock enemy for example uh that that has five health 
you'll just kill it and you won't take any damage. If that rock enemy has seven health, you will do five damage to it and you will take two damage. But uh, but you also you also kill that rock in the process. So you are pretty much like tanking the two damage to say, I'm getting rid of this uh, in that sense. If the rock yeah. has four health and you have a five sword, you will kill the thing because you're doing five damage to it. But that uh, sword will break because you this is the point it. where everyone at the table gets up and no longer wants to play this board game. Yes. yes. <laughs> and this is the point. So it is so it, hard to describe. And I would I've really been, like trying to formulate how to talk about it on the show. But I really want to because I played a lot of it over the past couple weeks. Yeah. Basically, from what I understand, I, I get the idea, at least what I'm gathering while playing it, is like, OK, I have to make the best of what's available. Yes. And I have to time my actions accordingly, because if you just click things randomly, you're going to die. Yeah. The first level is really tough. I, I tried playing it for like five to ten minutes and I just eventually stopped because I'm like, I just don't get it. Uh, yeah. Whatever. There's plenty. There's other things to do and today I'm going to do those. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. And But you said how much you liked it and you also said that you had the same struggle with the first level. It seems to not be an uncommon struggle, so I felt a little bit better. So I went back to it like last night like very briefly like before i fell asleep basically mm-hmm. and i managed to beat the first level and i got excited and it unlocked a shop option i was excited to meet the shopkeeper you get a bit of the you get sort of the adventure time inspired art style there yeah uh, with the shopkeeper and like this funny dialogue where he's like oh you're the chosen one i can tell from the frying pan on your head or whatever mm-hmm. he has like a he has a frying pan on his head right yeah he does yeah it's sort of a Don Quixote. Uh, the shopkeeper's name is Frumpet. Yeah. So like I, I was into that. I liked the item I got. I'm like, oh, cool. Like I'm so in. Sign me up for this. Yeah. Got to the second level and I, it's just fucking impossible. I have no idea what to do. <laughs> I've tried so many options. I get the premise and I'm still just stuck and I, I just don't know. I am willing to give this game more time because I think I want to get more into it, but I just find somehow the way it's presented and just the way I'm understanding it, I find it so obtuse to understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that's where I'm at. This game, I, I had a very similar experience when I started it, especially because, like, as soon as Apple Arcade dropped, you and I wanted to talk about a lot of games in our episode about it, and I kept bumping up against that first level. This was actually the game that I was the most excited about playing in Apple Arcade outside of Sinar Wild Hearts, just because I'm such a big fan of Zach Gage's work. Um, so I tried it. I kept bumping up against the first level. I could not beat it. I played it on like three or four subway rides, and like just continued trying to beat the first level and couldn't do it. And uh, decided, you know, I'm going to put this down for now. I know that there's probably something interesting here and I just I just haven't scratched the surface of it yet. So I took some time off, played some other games, uh, literally took some time off, went on vacation, came back uh, and, and tried it again and made it through the first level, bumped up against the second level like you are right now. I was like, okay, maybe I don't get this game the way I thought I did. Eventually banging my head against it over and over again, got through the second level. Uh, and from that point on, just kind of been like flying through it. There's a really great podcast that I can't believe exists called The Spelunky Show Like. That is a podcast that is ostensibly all about Spelunky, less now. It's more just like interviews with roguelike developers and stuff. Zach Gage is one of the hosts of it, but for the most recent episode, they just interviewed him about this game. They just like had him on as a guest on his own show uh, and and just talking about the development of Card of Darkness and the choices that they made and you know how it all came together and stuff like that. And what's really interesting is that he says that this 
this game is structured like Spelunky in that the first level, like the first area, is supposed to be really hard. The second area is supposed to be even harder than the first one. The third area is easier than the second one. And then the fourth area is as hard as, uh, you know, the, the previous ones, kind of, uh, which is exactly the way Spelunky is set up with the four levels. So that first one is supposed to be you like banging your head against it until you kind of figure it out. And then as soon as you get through there, it's like kind of smooth sailing. Like the second area is going to be difficult, but you kind of know how to play a little bit better and, and you'll be able to make it through a little bit better. And once you once you make it past that first kind of like hurdle of the game, once you make it past that first like like you build out the vernacular in your brain of how the game works is when it really starts to like throw some really interesting curveballs your way. We're like, OK, so instead of swords that you have that do like this amount of damage and you just have to remember the even and odd thing. Now you pick up daggers where every time you use them, they reduce their damage that they do by one. So it switches from even to odd every time you use them. Um, oh, cool. So you have to very strategically take out enemies in like weird orders to be able to use the dagger to its full effectiveness or you risk just like breaking it and losing it they start to introduce some enemies that do like status effects to you like uh, stunning you or like poisoning you uh, enemies that will poison each other and like if you can wait it out uh, what poison does is every turn just reduces health by one um, so you can just like start attacking a bunch of random things to let a poisoned enemy just kind of like drown out until they die they start introducing like spells uh, which are really fascinating which do a bunch of weird things like teleporting enemies from like one stack to another and they'll also do things like there, I mean there's like a classic fireball kind of situation but also sometimes you'll pick up a scroll and you don't know what it does until you use it and you just have to like pick an enemy and use it and see what happens and hope it works out in your favor so it's worth mentioning because we didn't really talk about the actual like how you make your way through the game so you have the the four by four grid of, of stacks of cards and what you want to do is make your way up to a staircase that's on the top of the level uh, so you are trying to reduce the stacks of cards to build a path to get to the the staircase and that staircase might eventually if you make it through enough I think they're called floors. If you make it through enough floors, which are just other four by four grids, at the end of that will be one of the titular cards of darkness. And when you go and you pick that up, that is a permanent, uh, like weird kind of boost or um, ability that you can get, uh, that you can bring with you into the next level. And they will do things like, okay, a random sword on every floor will be like, will do uh, double damage. So instead of a six, now you have a 12 sword that you can use, which is like huge. It's like that, that will like drastically change the way you play through that level it might like make you just fly through a floor easily or get rid of like one enemy that's like really troublesome in some way or like every treasure chest uh, gives you like twice the amount of gold which is great because if you save up enough gold you can get more slots for more cards of darkness so you can start to stack more abilities on top of themselves and get like a really weird synergies between them things like that so the game kind of like as soon as you as soon as you click with it as soon as you click with the mechanics it really starts to like unfold itself in front of you and like that's when you get the classic Zack gauge kind of thing where you can tell that this dude like sat in his apartment and really thought of every single possible thing he could do with this idea um, before releasing it. So I, just from this interview, which I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes because uh, I think it's really great. It's really cool like just discussion about how a game like this comes to be because he's been working on this specific game for like five or six years but oh, wow. but didn't have the money to make it happen pretty much and he, he's like oh I'm a pretty risk averse guy and I didn't have the money to like hire the artists and stuff that I needed and like Apple Arcade came along and just seemed like the once in a lifetime opportunity to finally release this game but the turnaround time between when we signed the deal and when everything happened was so quick 
that like the first version of everything we made had to be the one that went in the game. So like they sat down for one day and they came up with all 60 something enemies that were going to be in the game. And like Pendleton drew all the art for all of them once, no revisions. And that's what made it in the game. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. So it like it came yeah. together really quick. But I think at the end of the day, like the core design of it is so interesting once you start getting further into it but there is something to be said and you know it kind of goes hand in hand with our discussion last week about game difficulty uh there's something to be said about how hard that beginning is and how that's going to turn so many people away from this game um which i i on one hand i'm like if you just push through there's a really incredible game there you'll spend a lot of time playing it um, it's become my new go-to whenever I'm like on the subway or something like I find myself playing it all the time but at the same time like if you're not having fun doing that then like don't play it you know like it's really hard yeah, to recommend I because mean, I know it's just I'm throwing people into the deep end this is like uh, in terms of difficulty it's it's a different conversation than like Sekiro where it's like Sekiro is asking you to play it a very specific way and to like the, the, the thing that's kind of unsaid about Sekiro that makes it hard is like it is dependent on like a lot of muscle memory with controller stuff and if you haven't spent a lot of time like playing games like that it's just going to be harder and it's just frustrating right that you know it's it's demanding that much of your time in like a physical way yeah um this game is is, is a puzzle but it just it's just so obtuse and like i think i could just use a because like i felt like i i was like i don't i don't know if this first level should be this hard am i just like did i completely miss something am i doing something wrong yeah uh i i wonder if it could benefit from some type of like uh hey the first level is going to be rough like i don't know i don't think it needs to say that but because of just how much is on apple arcade because of how many games that are kind of like this i mean uh you and i off the show talked about how much we like grindstone yeah similar game i mean grindstone is is a you know at its core is something that is very commonly done in terms of sort of like a match the colors puzzle game but they add all these rpg and strategy mechanics on top of it and it's Mm -hmm. like both very challenging but very fun and it's very your the challenge is more about about like 100%ing versus progressing. So you're seeing right. more of the game, but if you want to kind of push yourself to like understand the game, you're going to get like extra stuff for it. Right. Um I think like I I it's frustrating for me with this game cuz it's like I feel like I understand what they're trying to get me to do, but I'm still not getting it. Yeah. And so I'm just like okay, I have like another 20 minutes in me to give Carter Darkness before I just bounce forever. Mm-hmm. Uh so I mean it's not that drastic, but like I am I am excited to see what the rest of the game has to offer. I, I don't think they really need to change anything about it, to be honest. Like with that conversation about accessibility, like this is this is a game that is designed to kind of be like a puzzle or or you know, it's something that you solve using the information that's in front of you. But something about it for me in particular, yeah. I just I just don't understand it. Um yeah. but I'm also not known to be good at math, so is that yeah i mean it's not it's not even a math thing you know it it, that's i think they're i think the way it's explained is maybe a little bit too obtuse for what it actually ends up being yeah excuse me because like i hate to use this word but like once you internalize the mechanics it kind of becomes second nature in a way that i Mm -hmm. didn't expect it to because when i first started playing i thought so hard about every move and like how i was gonna you know okay, oh my god, I, I, I hit this enemy and took nine damage, but luckily there's a potion here that's going to heal me five, but that's on top of another card, and I don't know what's going to be under there. What if there's an enemy under there that's going to, like, kill me? And what I found is that just, like, take the damage, pick up the potion, see what happens. Maybe your options change. Maybe they get worse. Maybe they don't. And, like, if you die, you die, and you start over. And and whenever you start over, there's a new layout of cards there. Um, So you're you're not doing the exact same thing every time anyway. And that's right. where, like, the, the kind of roguelike 
stuff comes in where it is a little bit randomly generated. Same same enemies will show up on every level, same like chests and swords and things like that. But the order that they show up is going to be different every time. So yeah. that might help you. You know, that, that randomization might help you in certain instances and it might really screw you over in others. Right. Yeah. I mean, similar with uh, with Grindstone, where like sometimes you... Uh, will you know start a match like oh my god I, I can see so clearly the path that I can take here yeah um I, I definitely admire this game I, I want to get more into it and I think it's also definitely one of the handful of games in Apple Arcade or more than a handful but like it feels like one of the ones that's like at the forefront of showcasing what there is to be experience in Apple Arcade that is like separate from I guess the negative leaning associations with mobile games. Right. This is something that's like proving that you can do cool stuff with it, even if it is a little bit obtuse. Yeah. And I think that might make the triumph all the more rewarding. Uh, I'm just, I just want to see more of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like trying to, you know, figure out what to do. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to take a bit of a break and then get back and talk about another mobile game that I hear whispers you've played? (laughs) Yeah. I'd love to do that. Let's do that. Uh, Powerful. Yeah, Card of Darkness. Uh, Check it out if you have Apple Arcade. If not, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive us. The next Um, game's available on all phones, though. Ugh. All right, uh, let's take a break, and we'll get back to it. Goodbye. Goodbye. Steven, on the exact opposite end of the spectrum from Card of Darkness is a game that was released recently for iPhones and Android devices. That's right, listener, you guessed it. It's Call of Duty Mobile. Since day one of Into the Aether, we've been getting emails, tweets, letters, handwritten sent to us saying, Brendan and Steven, when the fuck are we getting Call of Duty Mobile coverage? And Uh we said, give us time. We're a new show. We we need to grow. Mm -hmm. This is sort of like... You can't go to the gym and, and immediately bench press 300 pounds. You know, you have to start slow. You have to build yourself up. Right. Um, now we're a giant show uh, and, <laughs> and we're talking about this awful game. What is this? Why are we talking about this? <laughs> what are um, you doing? So so I, I got a notification uh, from the App Store that was like Call of Duty Mobile is now available. You have download. malware. Throw yeah. this phone out. <laughs> Please download this virus. Um, <laughs> Steven, I just downloaded malware.biz and let me tell you, it rules. My phone, whenever I click on google.com, it sends me to funmoods.virus. My email address, hacked, sending links for me. I'm having a great time. I would definitely recommend funvirus.biz. Um, <laughs> it's an incredible game for uh, mobile devices. <laughs> <laughs> Made by an anonymous artist, uh, you know, <laughs> who may or may not be a government of a regime <laughs> or Banksy. We don't know. Yeah. Um, anyway, tell me about tell me about uh, Call of Duty. This is sort of in the same chaotic realm as Funko Pop Gears of War, where you're like just so open to talking about anything that we end up talking about this. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm really curious, and I think that's what led you here too. Curiosity. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's that's literally how this worked. I mean, just like the the uh, Gears of Pop or Funko War or whatever that game Funko was War. actually Gears called. <laughs> um, Dancing all night. It was it was more of like a okay, like I will give you the benefit of the doubt. A bunch of people worked on this thing. Let me see what it is. Yeah, for um, sure. For, yeah. I, I, agree. I agree. Yeah, Gears of War Funko Pop Special Edition um, S Echoes of an Elusive Age was like not too bad <laughs> of a game. 
Um, but you know, I I just bumped up so hard against the microtransaction stuff that they uh, forced on me eventually that it was like, okay, there's no way that I'm ever going to continue playing this game. And honestly, the same thing happened to me with uh, Mario Kart Tour recently, where it was like, yeah, I hit a limit like pretty quickly in that game where it asked so much of me both monetarily and like from a skill level that i was like yeah this isn't gonna happen i'm done i'm out um <laughs> this could do a mid-air dodge as dry bones you can get first place nah, nah yeah it's not this. gonna happen so call of duty mobile came out and i was like okay let me see what a first person shooter call of duty multiplayer only game looks like on a on a mobile telephone yeah. um so i downloaded it and uh the first thing you're greeted with is like a a microtransaction hellscape of buttons. It is like it's it's a UI designed by like a plague doctor. It is so <laughs> horrifying in its layout um, that like they they tried to turn the the letter M into three different buttons. That, oh my god! That are battle royale. Uh, I think it's like deathmatch and like something else. I forget what it is. Or it's not unlocked yet. I'm not really sure. But anyway. I, I uh, almost immediately was like, nope, delete, like just get out of here. But I thought, okay, there's going to be a tutorial. I'll at least like check out and see what this game is like, how it feels to play it, yada, yada. So I, uh, I launched into the tutorial and uh, the first thing they do is like, okay, here's our default control scheme. Anytime you press this button, you immediately uh, start shooting. There's nothing you can do to stop it. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. You just like mm -hmm. unload a whole clip uh, it, it, without like even really uh, being able to aim or do anything. I was like, okay, this this already feels terrible. I am so out of here. But once I got through the tutorial, I decided to check out the other control schemes. There is one that actually kind of makes a little bit more sense, which is you are running with the left or left digital analog stick, similar to like most uh, most like I guess quote unquote hardcore mobile games, uh, where they ask you to you know like use an on screen analog. I think stick Sky has that right. Sky yes, yeah, that, yeah, it's yeah. similar to Sky. Uh, and then you're using a digital right analog stick to look around, just like you would if you were playing on, like, a DualShock 4 or something. So you're looking around, and then there's a button that allows you to just aim down the sights and shoot. And I gotta say, it feels really good in a way that I never, ever, ever would have expected. Like, it honestly, in some instances, feels better to play than I than I ever would have, like, dreamed possible on a phone. Wow. And, and outside of, like, just the fact that they actually got controls for a first-person shooter on a phone, like, working in a way that doesn't feel like hot trash. They also, like, just kind of rebuilt Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare just on your phone. And it, like, looks almost as good as it did when it came out on, like, the Xbox 360 and PS3. So you just get to play a free-to-play version of Call of Duty 4 on your phone with controls that are, like, not only passable, but maybe even good uh, for free. And there's no energy meters to, like, prevent you from continuing continuing to play there's really no reason to buy anything honestly unless you're like really into the idea of like buying the battle pass because they have like a fortnite-esque battle pass where you like unlock like weird skins for your gun that add like a bozo the clown theme to your to your m4 <laughs> you know but like <laughs> outside you have to spend money unless you want to be bozo the clown <laughs> yeah <laughs> wink wink don't you yeah um <laughs> i mean kind of 
You put it like that. But uh, but what what this game has become weirdly for me is like the first thing I do in the morning when I wake up, and the last thing I do before I go to sleep is I wow. play I play a round of Call of Duty Mobile. Um, I have gotten past the point where so like like uh Fortnite or PUBG on your phone, they do the similar thing mm-hmm. where you are playing against bots for most of your first matches because they want you to like feel like you're winning, and they use the uh the names of actual people who are playing, so like you think you're playing against real people but you're definitely not and they will never admit to this but like you're definitely not playing against real people because some of the scores i was throwing up during my first matches were like i got all 50 kills you needed to win this game stuff like that maybe you just rule maybe you're really good hey maybe maybe i'm the next great esports uh maybe i'm (laughs) I'm ninja too you show up with like a really decked out iphone and like spin it on the table Yeah, it's like a you're fidget like a, spinner pop socket. You're like a Yu-Gi-Oh villain, but with mobile Call of Duty. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, wow. What a uh, brand. But eventually, I, I continued playing to the point where I now am playing against real people, and I know they're real people, because, like, they, like, during the pre-match thing, like, me and them will just, like, d- spin around in circles and jump up and down and just, like, the idiots <laughs> before we start playing. Um, it's a sign of a real person, for sure. Yeah. R- right. Yes, of course. So, now that I'm playing against real people, it is actually, like, surprisingly really, really playable and like really really fun in a way that i haven't felt about call of duty like literally since that game since call of duty yeah 4. i think i played the first modern warfare like everyone that was when respawn did it mm-hmm. uh, and then i played black ops one infinity war in sorry infinity war infinity ward was the name of the company oh i see gotcha yeah. i was like what what marvel tie-in is this um <laughs> yeah black ops one was the last one i played and that was like my roommate had it on their ps3 in college that was sort of my relationship with it mm-hmm. it was fun i mean it was a it was a fun time i uh there's a reason why this series is so popular but i i bounced for kind of a myriad of reasons uh, yeah there and, are so many yeah. reasons to not play these games <laughs> <laughs> there are more reasons to not play them than to play them at this point yeah but i think there is merit to the sort of like to what made the series popular in the beginning Right, uh, and I think that's what Respawn has kind of moved on to focus on as they have moved away from the like borderline right wing propaganda of the series. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, so you know. it, I guess it's maybe worth mentioning. I did play the beta for Modern Warfare, which is uh, their reboot of Modern Warfare. Um, cool, which is weird but uh i i played the beta for that and it seems like the politics of that are just like huh war is pretty bad huh it's like okay well i mean yeah it did take you a long time and also <laughs> this is a war game <laughs> like you are right yeah right. so kind of weird but outside of that like this game the call of duty mobile is just so stupid and arcadey it has all the like really ridiculous like kill streaks and perks and stuff that call of duty 4 had uh so you know you you have the like radar you have the stupid like missile you can shoot from the sky down onto people um it's like really 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 dumb uh and i'm having a great time with it in a way that i honestly never would have expected it is like strangely enough in a, in a world where apple arcade exists wow everything's happening Sorry, there's a dog and a doorbell. <laughs> Someone's here to challenge your title as number one Modern Warfare mobile player. Okay, I think I'm good. Sorry, AJ. For everything, truly. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. In a world where Apple Arcade exists, it's weird that this is the other game that I would be playing on my phone outside right. of that. Like, I thought it was going to be Mario Kart Tour, 
but that game just did mobile so incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, which sucks because it's Nintendo. Like, I wouldn't have expected, um, I forget the name of the company, Tencent. I wouldn't have expected Tencent and Activision to, like, be the ones that got a free-to-play mobile game correct in a world where Apple Arcade exists and only costs $5 a month, you know? Am I going to get the Battle Pass for Call of Duty Mobile? No, I'm not. Am I going to spend any money? Probably not. Maybe at some point, maybe, if I, like, get enough gameplay out of it where it's like, yeah, you know, you've earned money out of me, I guess, because uh, I would like to support games if I or free to play games if I play them enough. But I just I just love to take chances on things that I think are going to be really stupid and then come out the other end with like my tail in between my legs like uh, this is fucking great. This rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you've I'm glad you have fun with it. Yeah, I just I, I'm I'm trying so desperately to drop the bit of you being a professional sponsored <laughs> Modern Warfare mobile player with the Bose of the Clown themed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how do I gracefully and organically edge this into our conversation? I just chose not to. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe for the best. I so admire your ability to want to give everything a shot. And, you know, I'm glad that this game proved itself wrong, I guess. Right. Yeah, kind of. Or I guess it's it, it dodged the like the preconceived notion of like this game is just complete trash, you know? There are uh, so you, many things that could have gone wrong with this game. Right. Like right. right right down to the controls. Like playing this game could have felt bad and that would have been bad. Um uh, so I don't want to write off the series entirely. Like I know I said some negative things about it. Like I understand why it has a place. It just sort of like you see it so often and they make a new one every year and like it even though like I, I I truly don't think it is like propaganda. There is an element that I think goes unchecked of like what it is glamorizing, you know, and that's a whole oh, other absolutely. conversation. Yeah. But totally. like, that's kind of, and, and that might, that might not be the game's intention, but that's sort of what ends up happening. I think with the marketing of the game, and that's a bigger cultural issue than it is like this series alone. But that's like one of the many reasons why I just sort of, it's also, again, as I said many times, shooting games aren't really my thing other than a few glowing exceptions. Uh, right. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat where like just just the idea of playing those games rubs me the wrong way for the most part. But, you know, in this case, it was free and it is so arcadey and so disconnected from like mm -hmm. everything else that I kind of tend to associate with Call of Duty outside of just like being a fun, stupid thing to do for five minutes before I have to walk to the train to work um, <laughs> that uh, that that I, I find myself going back to it over and over and over again in a way I never, ever would have expected. Um, um, yeah, Call of Duty Mobile. It's a free video game for iPhone and Android devices. And also, worth noting, it is available for PC and maybe Mac. I'm not sure about Mac, but... Uh, Interesting. Yeah, they, they released an Android emulator that you can download from, uh, I think, Tencent's website that allows you to play it on your computer with a mouse and keyboard or with a controller. Um, and apparently during like the early alpha or beta tests of this, they also had controller support. Um, so you could hypothetically, eventually, if they release a patch for it, play this game on your phone with a controller like a DualShock 4 or an Xbox One controller now that they're available to be uh, used with iPhones, which is really cool. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So just like a fully free, full ass multiplayer Call of Duty game that you can just play whenever you want. Wow. Yeah. Give it a shot. It paid off. Yeah. It's a it's a soft pitch for a stupid thing. <laughs> Fall is here. Fall baby. is here. I look, I will always try the dumb thing uh, and, and, <laughs> and see see what goodness I can find in it. You know, you're, you're the brave one. I'm the I'm the uh, the skeptic. Actually, not even really. I don't even know what I am. I'm the one who yells. You have you have uh, your own brand of of trash that you check out. <laughs> wow, hot take. 
<laughs> I do have my own brand of trash that I check out. I think uh, I'll go back and, and point to examples one day, or maybe I'll bring a new one to the table. Yeah, who um, knows? My own brand of trash. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back. Yeah, let's go think about our choices, and uh, <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk about more video games. Autumn is the season of death. It's a season of change. Season of trash. <laughs> bravo well done well done goodbye all right see you in hell brendan uh we said it's autumn but it's also spooky season aj uh play the weird song you chose play those sick beats aj the oddly ska-esque halloween song you found <laughs> aj drop the bass i hate this Relix. Oh God! What is? The, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I have a weird energy <laughs> today. Do. I don't know what's I, happening. I like it. Um, you played Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. Yes, that is the full uh, name. In VR recently. Virtual reality, Stephen. I want to hear all about it. This the future is, is, is now, and it's on your face. In the two spooky seasons we have done, this is probably the actual scariest game we have talked about because we don't like. We don't really dive into the true horror too much. Usually it's like there's a bat or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, or like Oxen is... Free last year where it was like, oh, this triangle is speaking to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, Oxen Free has some scary moments, but Oxen Free is like 88% teen angst and like 12% ghosts. Yeah. Um, or Control exactly... last week, which was which is pretty much just like, that, that literally is a scary triangle that's speaking to you now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. More unsettling and, and creepy than like scary. Uh, I, I'm not playing played resident evil biohazard mm -hmm. but uh it looks terrifying and i've heard it's terrifying and i can't even imagine how it is in vr and i want to hear all about it yeah so it, it was one of those instances where like i've always wanted to play this game but i didn't want to do it unless it was in vr because that seems to be the the real selling point for for that game i think is like that that is an experience you can have especially like hot off the heels of resident evil 4 5 and 6 which just got like progressively more um honestly call of duty than anything else like the more you went on in that series like they just kind yeah. of got disconnected from their roots uh four obviously a brilliant brilliant game but five four is was great like, five, five was like a are... strange like uh like teenager's dream version of four and then like six was like a teenager's dream within a dream like inception yeah. style of five 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 was like a 14 year old wrote bad fan fiction of a misguided 14 year old wrote bad fan fiction of four and then six was like michael bay got that script and got really drunk and made a movie <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah so I think I think they were set up to want to reboot the franchise after six, especially. Yeah. And honestly, I think a big, big influence on this game that like can't be understated is PT, um, the playable yeah, teaser for, sure. for what was supposed to be Silent Hill uh, made by um, Hideo Kojima and Guillermo del Toro for Konami before, you know, that whole thing uh, burst into flames. There are a lot of theories out there that PT was never actually going to be a full game and Kojima knew that it wasn't. Um, and that's what the game is about, which is interesting uh there's a lot of like interesting videos and research and interviews you can check out online about that but this game uh resident evil 7 feels so much like they saw pt 
and played it and they were like oh my god we could do that with resident evil like right now and yeah. turn it into a vr game um and and the the connections between the two are like just left and right like you, you just you like have to you have to literally close your eyes to not see them <laughs> in a lot of instances um and honestly that's great because pt i think is is brilliant uh, i loved pt i still have it downloaded on my ps4 um wow. it's it's great i revisit it every once in a while just to like check it out i don't think i've ever really talked about this that much on the show i am a horror fan i'll always like check out like the one or two things that everybody says is like the thing you should check out every year and i always enjoy it so this year being like midsummer and us um and i, I think parasite yeah. is the next one that's that's out right now um that i have to go check out but um i will i will always like watch the thing that everybody says is like the thing that year and i had always wanted to play resident evil 7 so i came up here uh you know to hang out with some people over the weekend and just had by chance the opportunity to play resident evil 7 in vr um and you know we all after uh, a long night of a lot of wine were like Let's do this. And uh, I, I just sat in the middle of the room on a beanbag chair with uh, with the VR headset on. Uh, we we made sure that it was like playing on the TV also, so everybody else in the room could like just hang out. Uh, oh, good. And good. just watch this happen. So it was like a really cool like communal experience. Um, <laughs> That'd be funny if they were just watching you going like ah with like nothing on the screen. Let me tell you, that's pretty much what it ended up being. Um, because like it, in a lot of instances, I would just be like looking around and just I would do like a quick like jerking motion with my head to like try and like see around a corner or something and that would be like enough to to scare people uh that, that were in the room which is hilarious um but a lot of it was like okay i can either go up these stairs into the attic or i can go straight through into this dark hallway like which of these two do you want me to go into and everyone in the room would vote and then we would go do it which was like a really That's cool so way fun. to play it choose um, your own adventure kind of yeah but i i think the thing that i i can't uh i can't not mention about psvr is that it's really good for how cheap it is um i have one myself i i bought it when skyrim VR came out uh, and that game even though like objectively probably looks really terrible like if you were to look at it not in VR like it looks really rough and even in VR it looks really rough very quickly within like 15 to 20 minutes your brain just forgets that you're wearing a headset uh, and you are fully fully immersed in that world um, and as long as like the effect is done well enough that will pretty much always happen for every game you're playing if it's a, if it's a, a physical space you can walk through for for things like Beat Saber or like uh, maybe a super hot or or super hypercube things like that that are a little bit more abstract like that that trick that it's playing on your brain might not happen um but for something like skyrim or no man's sky or in this case resident evil 7 like it'll happen within like 15 to 20 minutes and i just remember there was a point last night where i had been playing for just about 15 to 20 minutes and, and it occurred to me that my brain had completely switched over to i am in this like spooky mansion now oh, wow. it's just so me scary. in here and it ruled it ruled it was so interesting uh so so the game i guess like premise wise uh you play as this person named ethan who gets a phone call from uh his i think ex-wife or ex-girlfriend who he hadn't heard from in three years who like disappeared and is like i need you to come save me i'm at this place so wow. he's like oh my god i haven't i haven't heard from you in so long like i'm obviously gonna come help you uh and you go and you end up in this mansion this like you know kind of derelict uh PT adjacent mansion um, that you walk very slowly through uh, as as you you know peek around dark corners and just like just get like frightened by by you know cockroaches uh, skirting by and things like that. The game does a really great job in the early hours ish of 
being very, very, very tense before you know what's happening, which mm. I thought was really effective and really interesting. So like you'll walk through, you know, like right in the beginning when you're walking up to uh, the guest house, it's like the first thing that you check out. You walk up to the guest house and it's really bright outside because there's like a bright like fluorescent like spotlight kind of like shining outside, um, which means that when you walk up to the door, which is like kicked open, you can't see anything inside. It is completely pitch black because this floodlight is like just right in your face. So you literally have to cross into the unknown for the first time. And you're already like kind of on edge because like it's not like the outside of the grounds look like pleasing or fun. Like it's all, you know, terrifying, like weeping willow trees and moss and like overgrown nightmares. And there's like, uh, you know, dead corpses of animals all over the place and stuff. So it's not like inviting. So you're already on edge. And then you have to walk into this like dark rectangle, this like almost Kubrickian monolith to like see what's what's going to be inside this guest house and you know it's going to be terrible because like this is just the beginning of the game you haven't even seen anything terrible yet you know um mm. so that was the first moment for me where it was like i don't know if i can do this <laughs> like I, yeah. I think this is maybe too much for me but you know everybody in the room was just like oh just do it just do it it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine so we went in uh and, and started you know making our way around and and it's all the classic shit there's like a, a tv playing static that you can walk up to uh and, and turn some stuff off there's like jump scares with with like like rats and shit that happen every once in a while and and it's all like truly truly terrifying uh where every time you turn a corner and you it's so dark that you can't see anything it's like you need to really take a second and breathe before you walk in in a yeah. way that i've never really experienced in a horror game before like i i've talked i think i talked last year about soma and and how much i love that game um that is like an equally scary game but in kind of a different way uh where the the tension is kind of based on uh how how quickly you can die at any moment in this it is purely the unknown that is terrifying for a while. It is purely the fact that around any corner could literally be anything because you don't even know what the threat is yet. You assume it's mm -hmm. zombies because it's Resident Evil and it's the right, seventh right. Resident Evil, so you have a context for it. Um, yeah, yeah. But you never know what form they're going to take in these games. Like in in four, when they show up and they're like parasitic nightmares, you know, almost Lovecraftian. Well, that's the thing. The, one of the first moments in four is Leon's in the cabin and he's like, "Hey, like, what's going on?" And it's a zombie, and of course he's like being cautious because he doesn't want to just attack them right away yeah and then you have to you have to shoot the zombie and then when you check the corpse it says it's not a zombie that's like how the game begins yeah because uh, it's you know it's that's always like whenever a zombie game doesn't want to say it's a zombie game it's always the infected that's mm -hmm. like the we're not a ska band we're you know post rock with horns um <laughs> But uh, Resident Evil 4, like you said, it was kind of Lovecraftian. It, the scary thing about that game is how good the AI is and how like responsive yeah. the enemy is to like teaming up against you. Mm -hmm. We could definitely talk about Resident Evil 4 another time because I, I love that game. Yeah, I did favorites. just get that game on Switch also. So I, I've been thinking about playing it again. Um, cool. But anyway, th th this game, uh, you know, you make your way through. Uh, at, at one point, you find like an old VHS tape that that is just like lying on the ground. So you bring it back to that TV that was playing static and you put it in and you watch and you end up getting like you 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 play through uh, the perspective of the people who are in the VHS tape, which it turns out is like a, a producer and a host and I think like a PA on like one of those 
shows like uh, uh, Nat Geo, Discovery Channel, like, oh, we're ghost hunting kind of TV shows. Oh, I uh, love that. Where they're scouting out new locations and they end up in the same house that you're in. Uh, and they find like a secret door in the room that you're standing in watching this. Uh, and they go down a ladder and, and you know, a whole bunch of horrific shit happens where one of the where the PA like gets lost and then you find him and he's like very much zombie adjacent and like half of his face is missing and it's like all fucked up. Uh, and that's that's the first time you really see like a humanoid threat that's the first time that it's like okay that's kind of what i'm going to be up against Mm -hmm. um and and you kind of make your way down into you know you you pull the trap door that they found in in this vhs and you make your way down into the depths where they were um and and you're going through and you find your girlfriend you find this person that you're there to to save Uh, you get some bolt cutters and like free her from like a locked cage that she was in uh and she's like i don't even have time to explain to you like what's happening here you just follow me like we're gonna get out of here like we just have to escape i can explain all this when we're out of the mansion like let's just like classic like anti-horror movie kind of like self-awareness thing is like i'm not going to just sit here and explain to you what the threat is we're going to leave first like smart people and then yeah. and then we'll talk about it <laughs> right um, let's so, split up yeah so over the course of of her uh making her way around uh sh- you end up in this room with her where she's like there was supposed to be a door here last time i was in this room there was a door and now there's suddenly not a door so now we're trapped here so me oh so she's she's acting out this whole scene meanwhile because it's a vr game and i can do whatever the fuck i want i have not even walked into that room yet i'm still in the hallway like just i was like no no no. you just go ahead you go ahead in there if somebody's hiding behind a corner like he's just gonna attack you like <laughs> and i'll just i'll at least be able to see what i'm up against first wow. um so i was just like watching this all play out from afar and then it turned out she was in this like animation loop where she was just like sad because there wasn't a door and uh and i went in and i was looking around and as soon as i turned around she yells and you turn around and she's not there anymore uh and oh it, wow in this in this room with no doors and only one exit which i was just looking at like she has somehow managed to disappear uh and you turn around and where the, where the couch was that she was sitting on there is now like a huge like blown out doorway um and and you make your way through there and that is the first time you meet like an actual infected enemy and it turns out that it's her and she's like torn between herself like she keeps switching between like herself looking like a normal person and like a zombie-esque thing you know like the like completely pitch black eyes with you know like black veins around her eyes and stuff and she's like screaming and she has a knife and she stabs you through your hand and stuff like they're like uh. they're like press L2 to guard and you hold your hand up and she just shoves a knife through it it's like oh, oh well my God. that's about as well as you could expect that to go um, yeah <laughs> and and, you know, throughout oh, wow. the, this is pretty much like just still the tutorial. They're just like teaching you how to take out zombies in this game via making you kill the person that you were there to save, essentially. Um, wow. And there, there's a point when like she gets a chainsaw and you have a gun and like you're shooting her in the head and she's a zombie. So she's not going down, obviously. Um, so like you could shoot her as many times as you want. And she chainsaws your arm off at one point. And like you're in VR. So like you're looking down, watching this happen to you. Oh, my God. And this is like maybe an hour and a half into this game at this point also so you're like invested you know and you've been using that arm to do things <laughs> like you yeah. know opening doors and shit with that arm so suddenly you don't have that arm anymore um and and you're just like trying to continue making your way around um and there was a certain point after that after i took out that enemy after i took her out and and i'm i'm like kind of making my way around there's like now this like evil uh almost i would say like uh midwestern family who is like all infected 
exhausted, clearly, and they're like eating grubs and you wake up at their table, like their kitchen table, and they're all like eating grubs and they try and feed you the grubs and you won't eat them. And uh, uh, they get they get it's very in- like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, it really is. Yeah. And and they get insulted that you won't eat the grubs. They're like, Oh, we made this dinner for you and you're not eating it. Um and, and they try and do like kind of like a gross out tension situation where they're like trying to feed you these insects, uh, and a whole bunch of stuff happens that allows you to escape from from this kitchen table. And then you are in their the like main mansion where I think the rest of the game takes place for the most part. And you're and you're walking around and it's pretty much just like don't get caught by this evil family. And that's where the game lost me, unfortunately. Like up oh, until Oh really? Yeah, up until that point, I was so invested. I I loved it so much. It was so fucking terrifying. Yeah. It was like really really horrific and everyone in the room felt it too like i could tell because like people were like shifting uncomfortably anytime i like turned a corner uh people were like yelling like if if a rock in the distance looked like a person like there was there was a lot of tension that was built up but as soon as you see what the actual enemy is and it's like honestly like kind of goofy it's like just like this weird like goofy dad who like is is a zombie that wants to feed you crickets like it's not exactly (laughs) the most terrifying (laughs) game anymore Um, it just feels a little bit more like monster of the week. So (laughs) at a certain point, like I'm walking down this hallway, they're great. Hey, a lot of protein. Um, at a certain point I'm looking down this hallway and he spots me and he comes at me with an ax and he's just like wailing on me with the ax and I'm holding up my arms to like try and prevent him from killing me. And then at a certain point I just gave up. I was like, you know what? Like I just kill me. I'll let's just start this over. Like we'll, we'll reset and I'll, I'll not get caught by you next time. But then it took him like maybe 15 to 20 axe blows to kill me so i was just like standing there taking axe blows for like maybe a whole ass minute to minute and a half which at that point was like okay i shouldn't have this much health probably in this game first yeah. of all and be like any sense of tension that i had is now gone um, both, both because in... all i want is to reset and i just want this to happen again and at that point the the idea of losing my life no longer was scary like right. the unknown right. was gone now that it was a completely known quantity it was like i i, I didn't really really uh care as much it's it's very much akin to like a classic thing to bring up in this case but it's very much akin to jaws where spielberg was like i don't want to show people the shark until the end Mm -hmm. and that's why you don't see the shark until the end because the fact that you don't know what it looks like is almost more terrifying because you just keep hearing about how big and scary it is until you finally see it and it is as big and scary as you thought and it's ripping a boat apart and stuff like that this is like okay what if what if in this nine hour game the first hour you didn't see anything you just heard about it and then for the next eight hours you knew that it was a dad that wants to feed you crickets yeah and the fact that even in the game they aren't as effective as you would think they are in terms of like how powerful they are to kill you like it should yeah. be over the minute they catch you you know yes agreed. Uh, or at least it sounds like based on what the game is going for that's really interesting i'm sorry it kind of it kind of lost you a bit there I, i've heard great things about it. i haven't played it myself so i can't really counter that argument at all or or support it but i can definitely see why you would feel that way based on what you're saying yeah i mean it's um, possible that it gets better also like it's possible yeah. that, it, that it does like balance itself out eventually once you get out of that mansion or something like i could see situations in which that game gets better and it's kind of amazing in fact that like there even is a whole game you could play like you could spend like nine to ten hours playing i don't don't know how long it is i'm just guessing but you could spend a whole like nine to ten hours playing that game and there's like an entire story that you would work your way through and and stuff like that like it's cool that it's not just like a vr tech demo kind of game like that it really is a full immersive experience with a narrative that you that you can make your way through because at least 
like around when that game came out, that was mostly what was coming out on PSVR. So the fact that you could get a full thing is really cool. Um, and I'm sure for people who played through it, it was probably really satisfying. Um, but for me, that first hour is so different than what happens right after. Yeah, um, and I've actually heard that the ending is... That I've heard pretty consistent disappointment with the ending. Oh, Because I think uh, one of the things that, like, we talked about how five and six were kind of, you know, not the best, if not just straight up bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so seven or Resident Evil Biohazard, as it's called, was sort of like rebooting the franchise and like taking it in a very different direction. Yeah. It's always been a horror game, but it's never really been like, I think the zombies were scary because like you knew that they're scary in the old games because you had to be very wise with your resources. Otherwise mm-hmm. you'd be out of bullets and you'd be stuck. And like, they were a threat constantly. Yeah. Um, and the atmosphere is really tense. I mean, the dialogue's always been campy, and I, I think four is probably the best example of like the horror still being very effective, but the tone of the story being campy enough to kind of cut the tension every now and then. Yeah, right. Um, it's a hard balance to pull off, and like uh, you could argue that they don't blend well, but just just from like knowing the series as well as I do, and knowing that it always has been campy, I've always enjoyed that part of it. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this is not campy; this is just straight up horror. But it sounds like it might inadvertently get campy with how they portray the family. Um, yeah, yeah, it extremely does. And I, I think it's supposed to be campy. Like, I think it's supposed oh, to okay. be that, like, classic style of Resident Evil goofy. But I think maybe because of the VR part of it, it might have been better to fully lean into the horror elements of it. Um, yeah. And, and, and like, the, the, the campiness just breaks the immersion in a way that I yeah. kind of wish it didn't. Yeah, I definitely, I might check it out one day. I'm actually very curious about the remake of Resident Evil 2. I think I'll probably be more, I'll be more quick to check that out uh, before I check out 7, but they both sound really interesting. Yeah. Um, and my experience with PSVR at your place was a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed Skyrim quite a bit. Uh, your Your observation of, like, how it really, like, how it really zeroes in on you get a much better sense of scale in VR of like how big a dungeon is, or like how big like enemies are and things are like yeah. that was really effective when the, I played the it. The first time you I forget the name of, of the the evil dragon from the beginning, but the first time you see that dragon and it opens up its mouth and it's like, oh wow, that thing could swallow me in one bite. Yeah. Is like a completely different experience that I've ever had playing Skyrim before. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and completely changes my relationship with the world around me in a way that I really, really love. And I played probably as much Skyrim in VR as I did the first time I played Skyrim. It's it's really great. PSVR is like surprisingly awesome, honestly. And and No Man's Sky yeah. now being in VR, I still haven't played it. I still haven't had time because like there's all this other stuff that we have been needing to get through. But I think that's a game I'm going to revisit in VR. I'm really excited to check it out and just like explore the stars and listen to lo-fi beats to study slash relax to in space. <laughs> It's a constant theme for us. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Brendan, thank you for sharing your Resident Evil adventure and everything. It was a very Brendan episode. I'm into it. It is? Yeah. fall form. (laughs) Yeah, I I fully evolved. My wings are I guess it's summer my season? I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll let you know. I think it's summer, to be honest. It's going to be that brief period between winter and spring where everything is wet slop. And I keep saying spring is here. <laughs> spring is here. I was born here. in the slop s- season. <laughs> the, the, the slop is full. That is like, I think my worst trait, worst and best trait as a friend is it can be like the peak of slop season. I'm like, it's spring, baby. <laughs> yeah. Every step is like, 
Uh, I'm the same yeah. way because I so desperately want it to not be winter at that point. Anyway, thank you to all of our patrons. <laughs> uh, if you want to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash into the cast. Uh, we have a bunch of we have a bunch of incredible uh, reward tiers. Number one of which uh, gets you a shout out on the show, and I'm, I'm about to shout those people out. Um, that that is the one dollar tier. Uh, what is it? One f- is it one five and ten? One three and ten? What is it even? It's one three and five. That's it. One three and yeah. five. Uh, one gets you shout out. Three gets you uh, a Google Drive link to all the episode art as well as uh, mobile versions for your phone. Yes. And five, it gets you a subscription to our monthly newsletter. Which, by the way, um, the October issue went out. I don't even think we talked about it on the last episode or the one before that, but um, people uh, had nice things to say about it. So thank you for those of you yeah. who read that. And um, thank you to our contributors for that issue. Yes, um, thank you. That was the first issue where we had people that weren't just Stephen and I writing. Uh, and hopefully yeah. we'll have more next month. And doing some artwork as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be a that'll be an ever-growing project. So thank you for your support with that and yeah. supporting the show. These are your contractually obligated shout-outs. Brendan, you got yes. the Yes. Uh, thank you to Akira, Andrew, Bede, Benjamin, Benjamin, Bolt, Brett, Christopher, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Jeff, Cameron, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, Philip, Scout, and Spencer. You're all so, so wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. The fact that the list requires three inhales of air to get through is a testament to yes. your support. It's uh, really incredible. Thank you to everyone. Yeah, for real. Uh, honestly, um, we say it every week, but all the positive feedback means a lot. Uh, we're really happy to make this show and to share it with you and and to kind of slowly build a community around it. Uh, we have a Discord as well. It's really lovely. Uh, you can find the link in the show notes. Yeah, it's bit.ly slash TWG Discord if you want to join that. Virus.com. Uh, that's what my dad always said. Whenever I borrowed his laptop, he would, get, he would say, uh, don't go to virus.com. Um, what happens if you go to virus.com I wonder I did once just out of curiosity uh, uh, reverse psychology there it's it's actually I believe an antivirus site that makes sense yeah I don't think anyone trying to make a virus would be (laughs) as not subtle as virus everything you need to protect your devices from malware and cyber threats virus.com gives you all the tools and knowledge to protect yourself hey uh, thank you to our sponsor for this episode (laughs) (laughs) virus.com everything you need to protect your devices from malware and cyber threats virus.com gives you all the tools and knowledge to protect yourself from malware uh, secure your devices and restore your privacy Uh, check out our competition or our comparison of the top 10 best uh, antivirus programs in the market at uh, virus.com enter promo code Aether for 10% off your first virus uh, whether that be in your computer or in your bloodstream Uh, they have it all at virus.com thank you so much for sponsoring the show this week really appreciate it before um, virus.com yeah. my life was a wreck i had no direction i had no energy every time i woke up i sneezed and every time i pulled out my mobile <laughs> device tablet or pc computer it'd be a pop-up saying you're a winner click here and i would because i i am a winner and i would get a virus but you now i second have virus yeah i got a second all right that's nothing um no this is great i like this bit i'm not I'm, I'm refusing to leave <laughs> you're the virus I am the virus. Um, Hello. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you to virus.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. Steven and I are huge supporters of your work. Huge um, fans. Huge. Um, I'm a huge fan of virus.com. Anyway, uh, should we Discord, stop? we have more things. We, oh, yeah. we got to the Discord and then that happened. We have a Twitter. Uh, it's <laughs> Every week is just c- us trying to make the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean by that? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's ne yeah, it's never like. Hello, welcome to Into the Aether, a low-key video game podcast. I'm Steven, and this is my co-host Brendan. And we're going to give you concise, rehearsed, and exact information about games we've been enjoying and our opinions of them. This week, Resident Evil Biohazard, Brendan found the first hour enjoyable, but then afterwards found that showing the villain is less effective than having the villain be abstract. After all, nightmares are something that we, as an audience, think of, not that we're shown. The minute it becomes more concrete and tangible. Uh, we got a Twitter, is that into the cast? We got a Twitch, is that into the cast? Uh, we have an email address, into the aether podcast at gmail.com. We sure do. Talk about a virus. Uh, and I think that's yeah. it. I think that's actually it. That is actually it. it. Yeah, thanks again. This is a weird one. We have a different energy because you're in a different state and I'm in a different room of my apartment. So everything's <laughs> different. Everything is different this week, yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I am, I almost said I'm done. <laughs> Can you imagine if we ended up going, I'm done? <laughs> I'm done. Podcast <gasps> over. Thanks for, That's so thanks for sponsoring somehow. the showvirus.com. <laughs> this is, this is, this is it. This is the last episode. <laughs> somehow we're going to get canceled. Tim Cook our, himself our, is going to come to our house. Tim Cook's going to be like, hey, Apple's as a brand is being uh, compromised by this show. By this MP3 <laughs> file you're uploading to the internet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks to everything. You rock. Have a wonderful week and fall and spooky season. Have Autumn. a great week, everyone. Uh, it's almost Scorpio season. Look out. Look out, everyone. Look out. The stingers See are you. out. The stingers are out. I love Scorpios. Bye. Bye. Garbage dot online.